Good morning. Appreciate the worship service we've had this morning. The songs, the, the singing's beautiful. Uh, Katie and I have been working with a congregation of about 25 members, so uh, this singing is just beautiful here. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, and I always appreciate a good upbeat song before the preacher gets up here. Really get your, get your blood flowing, so I appreciate that. Katie and I are sure glad to be here. Uh, we've met quite a few of you here. We know about you. Uh, uh, we hope we can get to know you all a little bit more today, and we'll be down here for good in a few weeks, so uh, you'll be stuck with us. Uh, we're sure glad to be here, though. Uh, some of you may know, Katie and I have just had our first baby, and I tell you, it's a whirlwind. It's uh, a, lot, a lot that happens when you have a baby, and as a first-time dad, I'm learning a lot, and one of the biggest things I'm learning is it's hard to be a mother. And I look up to Katie so much. She, she does such a good job, and she doesn't even realize it. But it's not just her. It's all mothers. And I tell you what, especially Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are a whole new world when you have kids. Uh, we used to get up, you know, an hour before and get dressed and go. But now it's about three or four hours before, and we've got we to pack a whole suitcase for Lucy to get her up here. And it's, it's hard to be a mother. There's a lot that goes into it. So I, I applaud you mothers. Uh, especially on Mother's Day. Uh, it's a great day to have to honor you for everything that you do. Well, today, in honor of Mother's Day, we're going to study a great mother of the Bible. Uh, her name's Hannah. And if you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. And if you're familiar with Hannah, you'll know that Hannah is uh, a mother in the Bible who is known for prayer. Uh, she's got a long prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, that has really made her a popular Bible character. And today, I want to study everything that really led up to this long prayer and look at her life, how it was more than just her prayer in chapter 2, but her prayer life in general, her devotion to praying to God is what we're going to look at. And really, ultimately, what we're going to learn today is that we need to pray like Hannah. Today, I want, to, I want to dive into this chapter, but before we do, I want to give a little bit of a background. Hannah is a fascinating character because she lived during the period of the Judges, right there at the end of the period of the Judges. And if you're familiar with that time period, this was one of the most wicked and evil time periods in all of Israel's history. In fact, the very last verse in the book of Judges says, There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And if you read those last few chapters of the book of Judges, it's a bunch of murder and incest and rape. And it is just pure wickedness in those last few chapters. But in that time period, we have really two prominent women in the Bible that stand out. One is Ruth from the book of Ruth. And then we have Hannah, this mother that we're going to study, who stick out like a sore thumb in the middle of this, this wicked, evil generation as these great, godly people. So today, I want to study this life of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. And we're going to look at five attributes of Hannah's prayer life, and ultimately see how we need to pray based on that. If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, the first attribute that we see of Hannah's prayer life is humility. We need to pray with humility. In 1 Samuel 1, we see this story of Hannah that starts to unfold, and in verses 1 and 2, we see this man named Elkanah, and he has two wives. If you look at verse 2 of 1 Samuel 1, it says, he had two wives, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. 
And as chapter 1 plays out, you, you get down to verses uh, 3 through 6. You see this man, Elkanah, he takes his two wives and they go up to the house of the Lord to worship. And if you look at verse 6, uh, when they would go up to worship, it says, And her rival used to provoke her bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. And verse 7 says, So it went on year by year, as often as they went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. Now as you continue through this chapter, we're going to keep seeing this theme of Hannah with this, this attitude of humility. She has just been brought low by Peninnah and by the circumstances in her life. Look at verse 8 in 1 Samuel 1. Her husband even noticed. And he said, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? You see, it's pretty clear when we read these kind of verses, Hannah felt about this tall. Because of her circumstances, she felt like this. Because she couldn't have children. She had to compete with this other woman, and she just picked on her and provoked her and irritated her over and over. Notice a few descriptions just so far of what we've seen of Hannah. In verse 2, she had no children. In verse 6, she was provoked and picked on. In verses 7 and 8, she was weeping. She wouldn't eat. She was sad. In verse 10, we haven't gotten this far, but in verse 10, she was deeply distressed and wept bitterly. Uh, down in verse 11, the first line of her prayer says that she felt afflicted. After her prayer in verse 15, she said, I am a troubled woman. At the end of verse 16, she said, I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and grief. How do you think Hannah felt? You think she felt good? See, this indicates that she was troubled. She was struggling. She had a very difficult time, and she had been brought low by the circumstances in her life. She had been humbled by life. And notice what verse 10 says she did. In verse 10 it says, She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. You see, what Hannah does when she was brought to this point in her life was she prayed to God. She realized that she needed God's help because of the difficult circumstances in her life. She needed God. And she prayed to him from this place of humility. She felt so insignificant. She felt worthless. She felt like nobody could do anything for her. She felt this tall. But she prayed to God because she knew God was bigger than that. You ever known someone who always felt like they weren't good enough for something? There, there's a man I know up at uh, Bear Valley. He's been preaching for 50 plus years, teaching the Bible, been a teacher at Bear Valley for uh, longer than I've been alive. This man knows his Bible front and back. And one day, him and I were studying with a family. And the family got upset, and they left because they, they didn't like what the Bible had to say about their salvation. And I'll never forget, this man looked at me with big tears in his eyes, and he said, Brother, if you know any better way to do this, please help me. That's humble. That takes humility. You see, this man, he had all of the Bible knowledge that I wish I had. And he looked at me, who's been preaching for one year, <laughs> 24 years old, and he said, Brother, if you can help me, please do that. That's humility. And that's the kind of attitude we see in Hannah here. She knew that she needed help. She, she had this attitude that she wasn't good enough, but she knew that somebody could help her. And that person was God, and she went to him in prayer. She knew that if she went to God, 
that he would help. Is that the kind of attitude you have in prayer? When you go to God in prayer, do you see yourself as about this tall and see God as this bigger than this building? This great and almighty powerful God who can help you. Do you see God that way when you pray? Do you approach God with this attitude of humility, knowing that you need him to help you? Or do you feel like you're too big and too powerful and you can do it all on your own and you don't need God? You see, what we learn from Hannah is that we need to pray with humility. Now, the second attribute we see as we continue in this story is sincerity. As we continue through here, we're going to see that we need to pray with sincerity. As you read through here, continuing, verse 10 is where we see this prayer. And it says, She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And verse 11 says, And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and will not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. So this is Hannah's prayer that she takes before God when she's been brought down low. She, she takes this and lays it out before God and says, basically, God, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate him to you for the rest of his life. Now, what's important to this point is what happens next. Look at verses 12 through 16. Starting in verse 12, it says, As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and grief. So Eli, the priest, sees Hannah praying to God, and she's not talking out loud, but she's praying to herself, and he says, why are you drunk? What are you doing? And she says, no, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying. But did you notice how that prayer was described? Look at verse 13. Hannah was speaking in her heart. At the end of verse 15, she was pouring out her soul before the Lord. At the end of verse 16, she was speaking out of her great anxiety and grief. You see, Hannah was one that prayed not just with words out loud, but she prayed from her innermost being, from the heart. She wasn't one that that just uh, spoke to God, but she poured out everything that she had within her before God. She wasn't one that that just spoke with no emotion, but she poured out all of her emotions before God. You see, Hannah prayed with sincerity. I'll never forget when Katie and I visited Bear Valley. We went up to Denver, and we sat in the congregation, and after Sunday morning worship, there was a couple that came up to us, and they looked us in the eye. They were happy. They introduced themselves, and they just said, Hey, guys, how's it going? My name's so-and-so and -and so-and-so. How are you guys doing? And, you know, I I saw it as, you know, just the in passing, hey, how's it going? And we were like, oh, we're doing good. And we thought we would just move on. But they were staring into our souls and begging us to share a piece of our lives with them. They really genuinely wanted to know, how are you guys doing? Share with me something about your life. You see, they were coming to us with sincerity, a genuine care for us. 
And that's what Hannah is doing here with God. She's pouring out everything she has. I can almost picture if God was standing before her in person, she would be kneeling before him with tears in her eyes, begging God with this genuine sincerity about her. Is that how we pray to God? When you bow your head and you bring your prayers before God, would somebody describe it this way? As someone who speaks from the heart? As someone who pours out their soul before God? As someone who lays out all of their emotions to God? Would somebody describe your prayer that way? You see, I think more often, and I'm guilty of this, our prayers are just a bunch of repeated phrases we've heard our entire life. And they're not this genuine this genuine heartfelt prayer poured out from within us. We pray more out of obligation rather than sincerity. You see, we learn a lot from Hannah here, and what we see is that we need to pray with sincerity. The third attribute we see as we go through here is trust. We need to pray with trust. As this story continues here in 1 Samuel, uh, after this incident where she's accused of being drunk, And she has to defend herself and say, no, I'm just praying to God. Look at verse 17. We pick back up. And it says, Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Now notice verse 18. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Did you notice what just happened? Just a few verses earlier, we saw all those descriptions of Hannah. As someone who was uh, crying and weeping, someone who was sad and troubled, as someone who was oppressed within themselves, they were provoked, and she felt about this tall. And then what happened here, immediately after she prays, it says that she got up, she went her way, she ate, and her face was no longer sad. What did that take on her part? That took some trust, didn't it? You see, Hannah... She was troubled, she prayed, and then she left it with God. And she moved on. And she said, God's going to answer me. Even if it's not going to be the way that I I think is best, God's going to answer me. I trust that. And she went her way and she was able to eat. And she was no longer sad. You see, Hannah shows us how to pray with trust. At Bear Valley at school, we've got a bunch of young single guys. And they crack me up because they do some of the funniest things. And they... (laughs) Between classes the other day, they convinced, two guys convinced another guy to do what they call a trust fall. You know what a trust fall is? Where you've got two guys who are standing here with their arms out, and the other guy has to fall back, and they're going to catch him. And the whole point is the guy that's falling back has to trust those guys to catch him. Well, it was funny because these two guys who had convinced him to do it, they determined they were going to catch him way down here. And they were going to let him fall almost all the way to the ground before they caught him. Well, it was really funny to watch because Michael, the guy who fell, he did this and he started falling back and he got all the way down here and they caught him. But what was interesting, he never once flinched. He never, ever doubted that they were going to let him hit the floor. He trusted completely that they were going to catch him, even if it wasn't when, they, when he expected them to catch him. You see, that's what we see Hannah doing here is laying her trust in God and falling back onto God and trusting that he's going to catch her, that he's going to answer her prayer faithfully, even if it's not where she expected it to be. She trusts God is going to catch her. Do we trust God when we pray? 
When you go to God in prayer, when you ask for something, do you anticipate an answer? Do you believe that God is really going to answer your prayers? You know, sometimes I think our prayers are more of a Hail Mary pass. You know, at the end of the game, last, last few seconds, and we throw it up in hopes that God just might hear it and answer us. That's not how God wants us to pray. You see, God wants us to be people who go to him in faith, trusting that he's going to answer us, trusting that he's going to be faithful. Even if it's not the answer that we want, we trust that God is going to give us an answer. And that's what we see in Hannah here. You see, if we're the kind of people who are worried and troubled, and we go pray, and we stay worried, have we trusted in God? If we're worried about some situation in our life and we lay it out before God and then we continue to worry, we're not trusting in God to answer us, are we? You see, if you're like me, studying Hannah steps on your toes a little bit because so many times I think we pray and we don't really expect God to answer us. Have we ever considered that maybe the reason God doesn't answer us is because we don't believe he will? You see, we learn a great lesson from Hannah she displayed perfectly what praying with trust looks like. And we too need to pray with trust. Now the fourth attribute we see is action. As we study through this passage, we see that we need to pray with action. As the story continues, look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Notice immediately, right after her prayer, she acts. Hannah knew that she couldn't just uh, pray for God to give her a son and then go home and wait and expect to have a son. You see, they went home and they tried for a son. They acted in accordance with their prayer. Even more than that, do you remember what she prayed? She vowed to God and said, if you give me a son, I will dedicate him to you for the rest of your life. Well, if you continue reading this, in verses 21 through 26, we see Hannah and Elkanah, they go up to worship. And notice verse 22, it says, but Hannah didn't go up. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. What Hannah is saying right here is basically, the son isn't old enough yet. See, God blessed her and gave her this son. And she said, he's not old enough yet, but as soon as he is, I'm going to take him up there and do just as I said. And look at verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. So now the boy is old enough, and she says, all right, it's time. I'm going to take him up there, and I'm going to dedicate him to God. And look at verse 26. When she gets there, she said, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives he is lent to the Lord. So just like Hannah vowed to do, she acted. She said, it's time. 
I promised God that I was going to bring him this son and dedicate him to God, so now it's time. And she took him up there and she dedicated him to God. You see, Hannah prayed with action. Hannah acted in accordance with what she prayed for. She knew that God wasn't going to give her a son son if she didn't act on that, if they didn't try for a son. She knew that she had to fulfill her part of the prayer and act. See, Hannah prayed with action. There's a guy that we met uh, up in Denver who was a missionary in China for a long time. And he came up to Conifer, the small congregation we're working with, and he told his story about going to China and the work he did. And he kind of told us about how it all started. And he said he got to China, and every day he would get on his knees and he would pray. And he would ask God to help him with this mission, to turn people's hearts to seek him and put them before this guy so that he could teach them the truth and grow the church in China. Every day he would make this prayer for his mission. But what he said after that was as soon as he would get done praying, he would get up, And he would constantly find reasons not to go meet people. He would find reasons not to learn the language. He would find ways to try to go home. And what he told us was, eventually he realized, God's never going to answer my prayer if I don't act on my part. And when he did start acting, this man became a great stronghold in the church in China. He converted dozens and dozens of people and grew the church, grew it. And he did a great work over there. Because he learned that he needed to be acting on his prayer. Do you act when you pray? You ever prayed for the lost in this community here? And prayed that you could reach them and that somehow you could teach them the gospel. But then you walk out those doors every Sunday and you never say a word about Jesus. Is that acting on our prayers? You ever pray to raise your kids up to be faithful Christians? But you never, ever pray in your home. You never lead by example for your kids. You never bring them up to Sunday night Bible class or to Wednesday night Bible class. Is that acting on your prayers? You ever pray for forgiveness or help with some sin in your life? And as soon as you get done praying, you turn back and go to that sin. You see, we learn a great lesson from Hannah about acting in accordance with what we pray for. Hannah prayed with action. You see, we can't act one way and pray another. That's not what God wants from his people. He wants people like Hannah who pray with action. Now, the fifth and final attribute that we see in Hannah is that she prayed with praise. We need to pray with praise. Now, this is where we get to chapter 2, where she's most known for this prayer. Her her popular prayer in chapter 2 where she praises God for these 10 verses. And notice verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, and my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. You see, I see verse 1 as a summary of this entire prayer. She says, I am rejoicing in God. And then I see verses 2 through 10 as an explanation of why she's rejoicing in God. I want to read, I know it's a long reading, but I really want to read this prayer because I think it helps us see a lot about her prayer. Let's read verses 2 through 10. Uh, Remember, verse 1, I think, is a summary. She's saying, I rejoice in God. And starting in verse 2, she tells us why. She says, There is none holy like the Lord, 
Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. I know that's a long reading. But I think there's a lot we can learn from Hannah's prayer here about praising God. Did you notice how many times she acknowledged the great power and might that God has? I want to go back and look at a few of these. In verse 2, there is none holy like the Lord. There's none besides God. There's no rock like our God. Verse 3, he's a God of knowledge. He weighs actions. Verse 4, he breaks the bows of the mighty and strengthens the weak. Verse 5, he makes the full hunger and the hungry full. Verse 5, he makes the barren have children and makes the mothers have no more. Verse 6, he brings to life and kills. He brings to the grave and raises up from the grave. Verse 7, he makes poor and he makes rich. He makes low and he exalts. Verse 8, he brings up the poor from the dust. He brings up the needy to sit with princes The pillars of the earth are his, and he has set the earth on them. Verse 9, he guards his faithful but cuts off the wicked. Verse 10, he breaks his adversaries to pieces and will judge the earth. Do you see the point Hannah's making? Do you see how many times she references how awesome God is, how almighty and all-powerful and capable of anything her God is? Now, why is Hannah praying that? Is she trying to, do you think God needs to hear how great he is? No. Hannah is honored. Hannah has been humbled by life and taken care of by God. And in this situation, she says, I rejoice in God because he is an almighty and all-powerful God. And he can do anything in this world, but he chose to take care of me. You see, Hannah praised God in her prayer. You ever done something for someone and they don't say thank you? It, it can be frustrating. I, I know growing up, at least in the South where, where I grew up, my mom always told me if somebody gave me something or did something for me, she would give me this look and say, now, Colton, what do you say? And I'd say, thank you. See, we, we teach our kids that, don't we? We teach them to say thank you. We would never dare if somebody gave our kids something or did something for them Let them say, now give me something else. But don't we do that in prayer sometimes? You know, God wakes us up every morning in our nice king-sized Tempur-Pedic beds where the head adjusts. We got a nice oscillating fan and some air conditioner. 
We eat a big breakfast of bacon and biscuits and gravy, and we throw our leftovers in the trash. We go to our closet, and we get dressed and pick from 15 pairs of shoes, and then we go to work in our nice leather seats and air-conditioned cars. Has God taken care of us? You see, and then sometimes we have the nerve to never say thank you for God taking care of us and go before him and ask for something else. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask God for things. I think that's a perfectly biblical thing to do. But have you praised God for what he's done for you? Have you thanked God because he takes care of you? Are your prayers a bunch of help me, help me, help me's and gimme, gimme, gimme's? Or they thank you, thank you, thank you's and praise you for how great you are. One of our teachers, Corey Sawyer, said something. He said, it's amazing how our God is this almighty, all-powerful God that created the entire universe, every star, every planet, yet he thinks of a little old chubby guy like me here on earth every day. Isn't that amazing? That's what Hannah's saying here. Hannah is saying, I praise my God because of the way that he treats me when he doesn't have to. Because he is almighty and all-powerful. And she praised God for that. Church, we need to praise God in our prayers. There's a lot we can learn from mothers in the Bible, isn't there? Great lessons that we can learn. This is just one. Remember, Hannah lived in the face of a wicked and evil world. Stuck out like this. She would stick out in this church as a prayer person. Even more so in an, in an evil and wicked world. You see, Hannah was a great example in the face of all of this evil of prayer. And we can be that too in this world. We can be a great example, just like Hannah was, of people who honor God in the way that we pray in the face of an evil world. Today, what we've seen is that we need to pray like Hannah. We need to pray with humility, with sincerity, with trust, with action, and with praise, we need to pray like Hannah. Now, many of you may not be familiar with the way I preach, but I always like to give us something to do when we leave the building, something that we can implement to try to be more like Hannah in this case. I want you to think about your prayer life. Have you prayed like Hannah? You see, I think too often our prayers are quite the opposite. Our prayers are often an afterthought, but not for Hannah. It was the first thing she did when she was troubled. And it was the first thing she did when God took care of her. When she was low and when she was high, she prayed. Today, I want you to really look inwardly at the way that you've prayed to God. And I want you to think about this. If somebody was following you around every day and writing down your life like somebody did with Hannah, what would they say about your prayer life? Would they say that you prayed with humility as a sincere person pouring out their soul, someone that trusted fully in God, someone who praised God for almost an entire chapter. You see, I think more often what would describe us, and I know me for sure, somebody would write, well, they forgot to pray again today. Well, they said those same, those same repeated three sentences before their meal again. Or they, they fell asleep uttering in the middle of a sentence, Praying to God. You see, I think that more often describes us, and we don't look as much like Hannah as we think. Today, I want you to try something. We've been in worship for a little too long now. Sorry about that. 
I want you to try something. When we leave this building, after the closing prayer, I want you to pray multiple times today. When you get in the car in the parking lot with your family, I want you to stop before you even drive anywhere and say a prayer. I want you to thank God for the period of worship we have. When you get to, to lunch and sit down for dinner tonight, I want you to say a prayer. And I want you to thank God for the daily meals that he gives us. When you go to bed tonight, I want you to say a prayer. And I want you to thank God for taking care of you today. And now here's the hard part. Do it again Monday and Tuesday and so on. You see, if we can apply these attributes of Hannah's prayer life and become these people, we're going to become the godly church in the face of this evil world, and we're going to stick out like Hannah did. We need to pray like Hannah. Today, if you're here, and maybe you've struggled in your prayer life, maybe you don't know how to pray, and you need someone to sit and study with you and teach you and help you, we want to do that. I'd be glad to sit and study with you. I know the men here would too. Maybe if you, if you haven't prayed like you want and you want us to pray for you, if you're struggling with something in your life and you want the prayers of the church, we want to do that. If you want to become a Christian today so that God will hear your prayers, we can do that too. If there's anything we can do, come talk to one of us as we stand and as we sing this song of invitation.